Amen. Good evening again. Great to see you. Um, I have a few little gold coins here. It's nearly Christmas. Well, okay, it's a month to go, um, but it is Advent. Um, anybody want a gold coin? Grace, you want to come and get a gold coin for your pounds at the back? Come on, Grace. Anybody else? Gold coin? Gold coin. It's a chalky gold coin. All right, Dan, incoming. Boo. Whoa. Oh, I was going. Barry's going for one. Barry, you got it? Oh, good catch, my friend. There you go. There's, a, there's three. Anybody else? Oh, oh, one, two. Ooh. Oh, snaffle there. Three. Nathan's caught my eye. Always oh, lost it. And Courtney in the back, if you're, whoa, lucky. All right. Um, so there is, there'll be a purpose to those in a moment. And I'll give you three minutes, all of three minutes. There's a little thing to say here. If you manage to hold on to that um, for the duration of the talk, you'll have another one. <laughs> Too late, says Kim. All right. Um, Okay, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Can you believe it? It is the first Sunday of Advent. I love us to think about Advent uh, and waiting and waiting well. So let's first see if this works. Are you for me, Ellie? Oh, kaboom. Yes. Um, I'm not sure what this evokes for you in terms of an image from the past, um, but this is, well, does anybody know what it is? A picture from? A which what? An antiperspirant. Nope. It could be. You're thinking brute. Hawaii, it is in Hawaii. This is a Guinness advert um, for those of you that are about my age, which is about 27 plus about 10, 11, 12 years. Um, can anybody remember the Guinness strapline about this time? Good things come to those who wait, uh, which I thought about playing the whole thing, but it would be a bit pointless. Good thing comes to those who wait. Um, and in fact, as a slight aside, I allow myself an aside every time. Here's one of probably six. Um, do you know Guinness was invented to reduce alcoholism? Isn't that fun? And the, the uh, Mr. Guinness, I'm sure his first name was Patrick or similar. Um, Mr. Guinness, Mr. P. Guinness, uh, was a man of faith, in fact. So the Guinness was invented to reduce excessive alcoholism in the poor slums of particularly London. There's an aside for you. But good things come to those who wait. Who is good at waiting? Uh, yeah, love of waiting, love to wait. We've become a bit not interested in waiting. If there's one idea that I'd love you to leave with, it's this. I did think about getting a t-shirt that says, I love waiting. Like, to love to wait. If you leave with that idea um, this evening, it'd be good. I love to wait. Um, if anybody doesn't love waiting, that's going to be a challenge. We've become a nation that doesn't like wait for long. This was the cue to see the Queen. Uh, or in fact, to see the Queen's coffin after she died, hopefully not the Queen herself. It was a bit of a wrong moment to see her. And people queued for, I think, like 15 or 16 hours, some of them. It was a long queue. A couple of people didn't, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, we don't love to wait. And we definitely don't like a queue jumper this side of the Atlantic. Uh, we just don't love to wait. Ad Advent, did you know, is all about this idea of waiting well. Um, uh, the word Advent comes originally from the word Adventus, which was waiting for the king to arrive. In fact, the king of kings, the emperor, into your city. Um, so back in the day, as the king or the emperor arrove in your town or in your city, there'd be like a great celebration, forced or otherwise, of the emperor's arrival. Uh, and Advent is here to try to celebrate uh, the arrival of the only real king that matters, Jesus. Yes, amen. Bam! Love it. Uh, the only real arrival. 
And there's a couple of other ideas we'll get through. So this, uh, is anybody aware of the marshmallow experiment? which we're having a little twist on this evening with chocolate queens. Uh, the marshmallow experiment goes a little bit like this. Stanford University in the US got a bunch of children um, together. In fact, they got them on their own. And they gave them a marshmallow, like this poor young child there, and said to them, if you can sit on your own watching this marshmallow for, I think, about 15 minutes, uh, we'll come back. If it's still here, you can have another one. That was the idea. And, and there's a, quite a large number of children. If you have children of any age, or even people like me, you know that marshmallow is going to get eaten within about two seconds. <laughs> if you're lucky, really. <laughs> What's the point of waiting? Uh, and again, this is my second little aside. As an aside, in fact, the university studied those children as they grew up, all through later in life. And um, it was kind of shown that those that managed to delay the gratification, that was the aim, uh, if they could wait, if they could pause and wait and got a second marshmallow, then in fact they ended up being quite successful in life. And the two seconders, as I'm now going to call them, that's not what the university called them, but I like the idea, the two, the two seconders struggled through life to make anything really successful. Um, there was an add-on little bit of uh, research done, um, which did this, that for those young children in the early experiment, they thought, I wonder what happens if we make some faulty promises to start with and see what that does to their propensity to wait or not. So in other words, um, the researchers might say, look, here's a couple of smarties. If you wait 10 seconds, you get another one, and then they didn't get one. Or you know, the promise wasn't made. Um, how, what do you think that did to the survey results? Did people wait or not wait? Nobody waits once you know that you're not going to get in. Uh, so, in fact, um, the sense of inconsistency stopped people from waiting. And part of what I'm trying to think about this evening is what prevents us from waiting well. And it might be sometimes that we believe that God isn't very consistent. Yet, of course, you're going to tell me he is, aren't you? Is he consistent? The faithful one. Oh, faithful one, he is consistent. He's consistent through the ages, through the generations, through the eons. He is consistent. Yet I think occasionally you might think, because I haven't quite got the smarties I expected in my life, uh, that in fact he's not consistent. And I'm not going to wait well. I've asked for smarties. He gave me what's not so good. What's not, what's not nice? Licorice. Bounties, apparently. I mean, serious. I love a bounty. I'm very distressed. Do you know what I'm talking about, bounties? Okay, aside number three, celebrations are removing bounties from their celebrations because apparently they get left out at the end. What is wrong with people who don't need bounties? 39% of people leave bounties to the last. Richard conducts a straw poll. Do you leave the bounties last? That's none of you. I see no hands. Uh, all right, so this idea that God is inconsistent. I've asked for, I've asked for a Snickers in my celebrations box. And all I've got left is a bounty. If we feel that that's how God treats us, then it's likely we're not going to wait well. So here's my little segue from celebration silliness to something really profound about God. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He, is, he never tells a lie. He always meets his promises. And occasionally we misinterpret what he means and lose the will to wait well. This evening we will be praying, amongst other things, that where we feel God has let us down, 
Let me say that slowly. Look, if we feel God, the God has let us down, then in fact we want to come to him again and say, we got it wrong. You are the faithful one. You are true. We've missed something. We thought it was smarties and it's not. We're sorry we're coming back. Like help restore that sense of he is the faithful one worth waiting for. Worth waiting for. Uh, delayed gratification. There's a great story in the Bible. I've used this recently in a few talks around. Um, Jesus told a parable about bridesmaids. It was a bit of a struggle to find bridesmaids and lanterns as a little picture. Uh, some really interesting images came up. Please don't Google it. Um, but here's the best one I could find. Uh, bridesmaids with lanterns. And there's a story about 10 bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. This is Jesus' story back about 2,000 years ago. It's a parable. Um, and there were five bridesmaids who were pretty on it. They were the not two percenters. They would wait for the 15 minutes for a second marshmallow. Uh, and they were well prepared for the groom to come. He apparently took about a week in the story, which was normal. I think I've said before, it used to be the men that were late to their own weddings. Oh, not anymore. Just a little clue. Little clue. Never be late to your own wedding. The men were about a week late. It was all part of the game, I think. Uh, so you had 10 bridesmaids, uh, some waiting well, some not. Uh, there were five bridesmaids in this story that we could paraphrase as in the two seconders. The two seconders. Um, just not really doing much in the waiting. And their oil lamps, not battery lights, went out. And in fact, they were left out of the party. Perhaps a more modern example might be when your battery runs flat. If you have a phone of sorts, uh, who has a phone? <laughs> yeah, see, you all are bounties. Um, there, there is a direct connection between the love of a phone and love of a bounty. Uh, if anyone's got a phone, you know what happens when it runs out, don't you? Especially if you can't plug it in. Mm, stress levels rise? Maybe not. Maybe. Yes, Barry, I know. I have the problem. We have the problem. So uh, maybe the modern-day version might be something like this, that there are 10 bridesmaids. Uh, by the way, who has 10 bridesmaids to their wedding? That's a lot. That's a lot of bridesmaids. All right. Um, don't do that either. Uh, 10 bridesmaids, five uh, have a phone charged, and five do not have a phone charged. Uh, what do you need to do if your phone's out of charge? Plug it in. <laughs> uh, plug it in. Um, anybody want to have a go at where I'm going with, at with this? I can tell you, but I'm keen to hear where you think I might be going. Got to keep your lighter light or your battery charged. All right, let's, now let's see if we can manage to go from lighter light and battery charge to mulled wine. Now there's a little link you didn't expect to hear on a Sunday night. Mulled wine. This is mulled wine. Um, do you like mulled wine? I hate mulled wine, but anyway, that's not the point for this, this story. Uh, mulled wine is apparently fruity. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not spicy, fruity. This looks fruity and spicy to me. Maybe a cinnamon stick in there or something like that. It's probably warm, comforting, and cozy. Um, good mulled wine is like that. Good time of year for it. Uh, so here's an open question for you. Um, if you think about Jesus' life and wine... And there are a few things that might spring to mind. What springs to mind in Jesus' life? Um, and, and the clue, just in case you're not sure, is he might or might not have drunk mulled wine, but the phrase mulled wine is not in the Bible, to my knowledge. Might be, but... So uh, when you think of wine in Jesus, what comes to mind? The wedding at Cana, where he did what? 
Turn water into wine. Brilliant. Very good. This feels like a Sunday school class now. I'm really sorry. Uh, that wasn't my intention, but it feels like it. Uh, and what else brings to mind if you think about Jesus and wine? The Last Supper. I hadn't thought of that one. That's an even better one than the analogy I'm going to bring you. It's really good. Uh, the Last Supper, uh, where Jesus passed wine around as part of him, breaking bread and breaking bread, breaking my body, sharing the wine, wine of my blood. What about on the cross? He was offered wine on the cross. Yeah, like in a, it was like really bitter wine. Um, we might say good for the chips only kind of wine. You know, it's like this, the sort of wine you might spit out. And again, I googled some images about spitting out wine. They weren't pretty, so I haven't brought them. Um, but like, have you ever had wine? You just think, that's for my chips, my friend. That is not for drinking. You ever had wine like that? Has anybody made wine like that? I tend to pick them up at like school fates. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like a couple of bottles of wine that do the rounds every nine years. It just goes round and round. They get given out, pay a pound to go and get, win a bottle, and you win a bottle, and it's the same one. I'm sure it's the same one. Um, good wine you don't want to drink, do you? You want to spit it out, put it on your chips. I wonder why Jesus didn't turn the sour wine into great wine. If you can turn water into wine, you think you might turn chip wine, chip vinegar, into fruity. I'm not asking for answers. For those of you that enjoy a little bit of thinking, I'd love you to go away and ponder this a little bit. Uh, because, of course, he could have turned the spongy, bitter wine into something that was much more wonderful. He could do anything from any point in his life. Uh, and he chose, in fact, according to one of the gospel narratives, he chose twice to reject the bitter wine. Uh, and once, at uh, the very last moment, uh, where he drank the bitter wine on a stick. Uh, that's not generally how you serve wine. This is a clue for you. If you're hosting Christmas, you don't serve wine on a sponge on a stick. Just in case you're wondering. It's not a hospitality suggestion. Uh, he was dying on the cross, so they served him wine on a stick. Like on a sponge bitter wine. And the moment he took that, he actually chose to take it. That's when he gave up his spirit. It was the last thing he did. Bitter wine. It is finished. He gave up his spirit. There's something I think really profound here about what Jesus is saying about, if I said fruitiness, being filled with fruit and bitterness yeah, and in waiting. When we wait, we're waiting for Jesus to come again, but we're waiting with him as well. And I'm sure he says, have a life of, he might not say mulled wine, but of fruit, of vibrance, of warmth and comfort and life and positive. We're not sitting here drinking bitter sour wine. That's not what he asks. If we're drinking bitterness, chip wine equivalent, in our lives, the equivalent of taking in bitter stuff. That's not the life he has for us here. It's, that's not waiting well. That's waiting badly. And I think this evening, as well as maybe some of our misconceived ideas about um, he's let me down, uh, we might be hanging on to some bitterness. We're essentially drinking of the bitter stuff that we're just sort of living a, a vinegary, whiny life. And he says, that is not what I, what I want for you. He rejected that twice. He turns it into good wine. Uh, what might be good, fruity equivalent? What does he ask of us? This is not rhetorical. What sort of life does he have for us, do you think? You know it. 
abundance. What might that mean and look like? What sort of words go with that? Love and joy and peace and patience. Goodness and kindness, graciousness, self-control. Self-control. Don't eat the marshmallow. Put it off a bit sometimes and let him instead fill you. We're going to pray this evening that God fills us afresh in this sort of eagerly waiting idea um, in Corinthians. Look at that for a background. It's great, right? Bam. Uh, if you do not lack, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Um, sometimes I've waited for a bus, not often, but once in a while I wait for a bus. And I sort of tend to wait like this. Kind of waiting. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Just sort of hanging around waiting for something to happen. I can't sort of slump my shoulders any more than that. And that's not very eager waiting for a bus, is it? What would be eager waiting? Any amateur dramatics? Lucy, what's eager waiting for a bus? Let's, have, here, let's just see a vision of eager waiting. That is Lucy's eager waiting. <laughs> okay, amazing. Slightly concerned for the bus drivers of Guernsey. Uh, eager waiting might be a little, I don't know, a little bit of action, something going on, a little bit of more lift up, maybe a chat to whoever's in the queue. Um, I'm trying this a little, bit, a little bit at the moment. I had an early flight a week or two ago, um, 7 a.m. flight, so you know, get to the check-in early. Uh, check-in queues can be a bit of a problem. Anybody travel recently? Yeah, so check-in queue and certainly the security queue seems to be either like two people long or 2,000 people long. There's nothing in between at the minute. Uh, so like, I, I, I don't know what you're like at 6 in the morning. I am not good. I'm not good. This is not good. Uh, so I thought I'd try this eager waiting in the queue instead of slopey shoulders mumbling like a grumbling person uh, and thought I'd chat up anybody around me, uh, which, and especially as we were snaking along, it was, it was quite fun for me. <laughs> a bit of eager waiting. Now, probably out of the uh, eight or nine people I interacted with, at least one was kind enough to chat back. The other, a couple of people were a bit like... Brr, a bit brr, brr. Um, Jesus asks us to eagerly wait, eagerly wait, wait in anticipation, wait with eyes open, ears open, hearts open, minds open, eagerly, not bitterly, grumpily, complaining, negative, miserable, hopeless, and in the dark. That's what he wants for us. And at the moment, you're thinking, yeah, but that's how I feel. There's more to come. Hold on. There's more to come. He hopes for more for us. Eager waiting for Christ to be revealed. Christ is coming. That's what we celebrate at Advent. He, he is coming. And he has come. He is coming again, not just to deal with our sins, to, but, but to bring salvation to who, all who are eagerly waiting for him. I didn't happen to spot the eager twice, but there's this sense in the New Testament about eager waiting. Waiting hopefully, eagerly. Just pause before I move on for Emma to snap it. You got it? Yeah, good. Uh, because he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So do you want a life of bitterness? You know, um, chip wine on a stick? No. Well, you don't, do you? Do you? I rhetorically hear you say, no. Uh, do you want a life that's full of fruit, of life, of light, of encouragement? of eagerness. Well, herein lies, it's not even a trick. It's, a, it's, it's not a clue. It's not a secret. It is Jesus himself. And I love this idea. Again, so this is the second idea you go home with. It's this. 
that we wait for Jesus to return. He is going to come again. There'll be a return of the king moments, the king of kings, the emperor of emperors. Uh, there's a day. It could be, it could, it could be tonight. And it could be in a million years' time. Who knows? It's, he will come again when he comes again. We don't know the day or the hour. Who knows? He's coming. And whilst we're waiting for him, we are waiting with him. As bizarre as that sounds, it's a bit like I'm waiting for the bus with the bus driver. I'm waiting for the bus driver to arrive with the bus, and here he is with me at the same time. By the power of the Spirit, by the Spirit in us, we're waiting with Jesus for Jesus. Oops, and that's what Advent is all about. I nearly dropped my clicker then. I won't say no more. We're waiting for Jesus with Jesus. If we were waiting for Jesus without Jesus, I think we'd be in a world of pain. But we're waiting for Jesus with Jesus. <coughs> with Jesus. With the power of the Spirit in our life. Without the Spirit, it's bitterness, misery, darkness, hopelessness, if we're lucky. With the Spirit in our life, it is life, vitality, love, joy, peace, patience, everything else we hope for. It's eager waiting. And this is why I think it's great to love to wait. If we're waiting well, we're waiting with the Holy Spirit. 